Today on Blue 58, the Packers quarterbacks played a big role in the team's success in 2021, but so did everybody else's. The unique part of the Packers quarterback situation is what happens with them this offseason. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. That's right. This episode, we are starting our position review. We've talked about Mark Murphy. We've talked about Brian Gutekunst. We've talked about Matt LaFleur. We've talked about Joe Barry. That's basically all of the non-players we're going to talk about as we start our season review. And now it's time to go position by position through all of the Packers players on the roster that we can talk about. And of course, the first position we talk about every year is quarterbacks. But before we talk about quarterbacks, we need to take a second today and get a word from our sponsor, a special guest today, my wife, Liz. Take it away. Hey, everyone. This is Liz. I don't say much on John's podcast, but wanted to hop on real quick. John has no idea what I'm about to say, so I'll try my best not to embarrass him. Valentine's Day is almost upon us, and to keep this short and sweet, I just wanted to send you some love and thank you. As you know, we've transitioned to having two kids instead of just one. Thanks for being patient and understanding as we once again navigate the treacherous and sleepless nights of having a baby. I know there have been a few times that an episode has been delayed or canceled because we're just trying to stay afloat over here. I also wanted to thank you for your financial support of the podcast. John works hard to bring you the highest quality content he can. Trust me, as his wife, I know how much he cares about this podcast and all of you. The financial support through Patreon is huge for the podcast, so thanks to those who currently are supporting Blue 58 in that way. Thanks most of all for listening to Blue 58 and making my Valentine so happy. As corny as it is, seeing John so excited to record an episode for you makes my heart explode with pride. John and I love each one of you and are so grateful for your continued support. So, this Valentine's season, we hope you'll continue to be our main cheese. Because <laughs> you're a touchdown in our playbook. Sorry, I had to. So thanks for listening and being smarter Packers fans with us. Go Pack. Well, that truly was unexpected. Thank you, Liz, to that for saying that. Um yeah, Valentine's Day is coming up, and I do want to echo what she said there, that we, her and I, do love all of you. We are very grateful for this, and this is a family sort of thing. I mean, she's not on the podcast very often, maybe once a year, but uh, Liz is a big part of this, too. She's the the number one fan of Blue 58, and uh, without her and her support, this show wouldn't exist. So, yeah, I'm very grateful for her support and for her love for you too. And we, we really do. We love all the people who listen to the show and are, are grateful for the generosity that you have with your time, because, uh, there's a lot of different things you could do with your time and you choose to spend it with me a couple times a week. And that is, that makes me feel pretty good. Um, it's, it's a lot more rewarding when there's someone who actually listens to the show. So we're thankful for you and your listening and your support. And I uh, hope you have a wonderful Valentine's day in, uh, in a couple days here. All right, Packers quarterbacks, uh, three of them on the roster for the large portion of this year. Uh, Blake Bortles, uh, he gets a little bit of a mention. 
here. I guess this is the only mention. Um, he did not spend any time in an actual game, but he was around. But there's really nothing we can review with him. Same sort of goes for a couple guys that were on and off the practice squad at different points this year. Jake Dolagala, uh, Danny Eitling. Um, just doesn't really bear spending a whole lot of time talking about them. The good thing about quarterbacks is it's a pretty limited position group in general. So there's a lot of other things you can talk about, and there's a lot that we have to talk about with Packers this uh, Packers quarterbacks this year. So we will go uh, every position will go this way, but we will go fewest position plays position or fewest snaps played this year to most. Uh, so that leaves us to start with Kurt Benkert, who played all of two snaps in 2021. Relevant stats for Benkert, really nothing. Uh, he only played two snaps. That's about it for him. But he did technically have a rushing attempt, a couple, a uh, couple of them actually. And um, that's really all you want from your third string quarterback coming in and kneeling down. That's the good for him. He got to come in and play two snaps. As far as bad stuff for Kurt Benkert, hey, you can't really do a whole lot wrong in only two snaps if you're only kneeling down. Somewhere TJ Rubley needs to just take a note there. Uh, the bottom line for Kurt Bankert is that, yeah, 2021, good to get in there, good to have a cameo. But really, that's all you were ever going to ask from him anyway. 2022, though, gets a little bit more interesting because you have to start asking yourself if you're comfortable with Kurt Bankert as your number three or number two quarterback. And I don't think we can answer that question fully yet, but if it came down to him being the number two quarterback, I feel more or less okay with that. I think he's got a good skill set for a number two guy. He's got a strong enough arm. It seems like he's got a good grasp of what's going on. And he knows his strengths and weaknesses as a, as a quarterback, I would think, by this point in his NFL career. He's been around long enough that he knows his strengths and his limitations. So that's, I think, a pretty good skill set for a backup. You think about Doug Peterson for a long time with the Packers. He knew, albeit with a brief stint in Philadelphia where he did try to make a go of it as a starter, he basically knew what he was as a player. And in a lot of different circumstances, whether you're a superstar or you know just a regular starter or a backup, knowing what you are is a great attribute because you know how you can contribute to a team. And it feels like Kurt Bankert kind of falls into that category too. He knows what he is as a player. He knows his role to help the other quarterbacks get ready and be ready if called upon himself. No more, no less. And I think the Packers could count on Bankert to be that kind of guy in 2022 if it came down to it. Would you really want him as your number two in a situation where you're trying to really contend in a season? I don't know. Uh, but hopefully it doesn't come to that for the Packers uh, this season. It gets a little bit more interesting with Jordan Love. He played 131 snaps in 2021, which actually, if you are a listener of this podcast, shouldn't come as the, that much of a surprise. I predicted way back when that Love would get more than 50 snaps on the season. I figured he would make some pretty regular cameo appearances for the Packers in 2021. 131, though, is fairly surprising though. And boy, the way they came about was surprising too. We don't need to dig into the details of the midseason Packers COVID outbreak, especially when it came after that thrilling win over the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night football, but uh, it was part of the story. And it was part of the reason that uh, Jordan Love got into, into the games that he did this season. 
Stats-wise, if you've forgotten, he finished the season 36 of 62 passing for 411 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. That is good for a passer rating of 68.7. He finished the year with 12 carries for 27 yards. Obviously, a bunch of kneel downs in there. But if there is one big surprise for how Jordan Love played in 2021 for me, it's how little he ran when given the chance. According to Pro Football Focus, he only scrambled five times this season. And given his athletic profile, that's a little bit of a surprise. It seems like he could be a little bit more dangerous with his legs. Also, according to Pro Football Focus, maybe of interest to you, maybe not, but he was pretty accurate this season when his pocket was clean. 30 of 43 passing in a clean pocket, just over 69%. You can win with that. Things fell apart, though, when he faced some pressure. And that kind of gets into our good and bad portion with Jordan Love, because it's really the good and the bad are two sides of the same coin. The good is that you can see it with Love at times. Thinking back to last preseason, a couple possessions against the Chiefs, you can see his play line up with the scouting report. There's some arm talent there. He can get the ball out quick on occasion, but it dovetails with the bad though, because a big part of his scouting report coming out of Utah State was basically big arm talent, yes, but struggles with accuracy and consistency and decision-making. And you can see that on his tape too. And look, that's hardly surprising for a young quarterback, but we're at the end of year two now. It should. It feels like it should be a little bit further along. To that mechanical stuff, the accuracy, the consistency, I had a coach once, way back when, even at the junior high level, who was really, he really got on guys throwing the ball. He had a, a, a really unique way of describing what they were doing when they weren't doing it the way he wanted them to do it. He always criticized guys for trying to steer the ball instead of throwing it. His point basically was, don't try to be too accurate. Just trust your arm and your mechanics and deliver the ball to where it's supposed to be. Don't try to fine point it all the time. Love kind of seems to fall into that sometime, just trying to be almost overly precise instead of trusting the big arm, the high quality arm that I think is, is apparent that he has. So the bottom line for Love, I think in 2021... Well, let me put it this way. Cards on the table. You know I don't didn't like the, the Jordan Love draft pick. I've been pretty consistent with that now for a couple of years. This, I want to be clear, is not about that. Because even if you did like the Love pick, I think it's fair to say where he is right now is really tough to gauge. What is he as a player? Say, for instance, let's, let's put it like this as a hypothetical. Say you're in my situation. You're a podcaster. You're somebody who covers the the Packers, whatever. Say Jordan Love gets traded today, and whatever team he gets traded to, somebody who podcasts or writes about their team comes to you and says, okay, I need you to tell me what we're getting in Jordan Love. What would you say? I don't know what I would say. I think basically sitting down and thinking about it a little bit today, prepping for this show, I would come down somewhere like this. I would say he looks like his scouting report, you know, big arm, struggles with accuracy and consistency. And that is a tough thing to be at the end of year two, because it doesn't look like he's grown a whole lot since then. Now, 
I can hear the yeah buts coming. And I am really sympathetic to the people who say we need to see more of him. 100% that is true. Absolutely, we need to see, see more of Jordan Love. Absolutely. I want to see more of him. I don't feel like we ever really got a good look at him this year. Preseason aside, even in preseason, he was a little dinged up in this season. Did we get that good of a look at him? I don't really know. And Matt LaFleur, as we talked about a couple couple weeks back, well, not even a couple weeks back, last episode, did not do him a whole lot of favors with his game plan against the Chiefs. And then that Week 18 game against the Lions is just a complete throwaway. It wasn't like he was dealing with the best and brightest on the Packers offense that game either. So what have you really seen from Love? I don't know. So if you're one of the people who's saying we need to see more of him, I think that is true. But I also think it's not a very compelling reason to want to put him under under center in week one of 2022. Saying we need to see more of him, I want to see more of him, whatever, is not a good reason to move on from Aaron Rodgers and start the Jordan Love era. If it came down to it, and I had to decide to trade him today or commit to him as the starter for 2022 today, I think I would pick trade to a point. If you could get a first-round pick for him, the answer is yes, obviously. Ship him out, commit to Aaron Rodgers, go. If you can get a second-rounder for him, I still think it's probably yes, if Aaron Rodgers is coming back. If Rodgers comes back and you can get a third for love, then I'm starting to lean towards maybe situation. Maybe you're in that camp and you're saying, yes, I would absolutely do it for a third. Okay, I can respect that. It's not where I'm at, but I certainly understand that. Beyond that, though, I don't know if I could comfortably trade Jordan Love for a day three pick. And that's where I really got to check myself because you start coming up with the sunk cost fallacy. Okay, if Aaron Rodgers is back and you're not going to commit to Jordan Love at any time in the near near future, don't you just take what you can get and move on? There's no sense trying to recoup your, your lost value if there's no chance you're ever going to get that value. I think that's a fair point too. So when it comes to his 2022 outlook, in a word, I'd say still pretty murky. And we are all kind of waiting on the the pleasure of Aaron Rodgers at this point. If Aaron Rodgers does come back to the Packers and they say they want him back, and you know you've you've seen all this stuff just as much as I have, if he comes back, it's all but certain that means he has signed an extension. The Packers don't want him in a lame duck year. The Packers really can't afford to have him back at his cap figure for this year. There's really no way around it. It just doesn't work from a money perspective. So if Rodgers is back, he's getting an extension. So what does that mean for Jordan Love? If that happens, why would Jordan Love want to stay in Green Bay? Looking a couple years down the road, just from a business perspective, that Jay-Z line, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman, Every NFL player is a business unto himself. If Jordan Love is thinking about himself as a business, you'd forgive him for looking a little bit down the road and saying, okay, some point here we got to start thinking about maximizing value. I'm going to be able to get off my rookie contract here in in three years or so. I want to get a big extension when that happens. Who wouldn't? I certainly would. Sitting another year behind Aaron Rodgers isn't going to help him get to that point. And given that this is apparently a fairly weak quarterback class, 
you have to think his agent at least thinks there's a chance it could be a win-win for them and the Packers. Hey, the quarterback class isn't great. Why not see what you can get from my guy? He certainly doesn't want to be here. You made it clear you don't want him to be the quarterback of the present. And when does that future begin? We don't really know. So why don't you move on here? I don't know if he'd force a trade, but you certainly have to think he might think about requesting one. But on the other hand, if Jordan Love ends up being QB1 in 2022, I think the Packers also have to go all in on building around him. And we'll talk about more, more about that in a second. Because first we have to talk about Aaron Rodgers. The presumptive MVP. Let me just check here as I'm recording. Did he win his fourth MVP as everyone expects him to? I would expect so. Um, let's just say that he did. Four-time MVP Green uh, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. Yep, just has not broken yet. Um, NFL honors ongoing right now as of 9.21 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday evening. 983 snaps for Rodgers. That's 88% of the Packers' offensive snaps in 2021. He missed the Chiefs game, of course. He sat for most of the fourth quarter against the Saints in week one and then most of the second half, I believe actually the entire second half against the Lions in week 18. We don't really have to recite his stats here, but overall, the numbers you need to worry about with Rodgers are the efficiency numbers. His volume numbers all went down in 2021 from where they were in 2020, but that's to be expected given his playing time and just an overall drop in quarterback play across the league this year. The efficiency numbers, though, stayed pretty high. Rodgers had a a great statistical season. He led the league in touchdown percentage, how frequently he's throwing touchdowns. He he led the league in in interception percentage for the fourth consecutive season. The, 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 the rate at which you're throwing interceptions was tops in the league in passer rating, was tops in the league in quarterback uh, QBR uh, from ESPN. He was tops in the league in adjusted net yards per attempt, that number I love to cite. It, it was a great statistical season for Rodgers. But of note, Rodgers was only better this year in that group of league-leading stats, five of them there. He was only better this year than last in interception percentage. He threw interceptions at a lower rate in 2021 than he did in 2020, 0.8% to 1%. Every other number across the board was down. Touchdown percentage, though a still league-leading 7%, was down from 9.1% in 2020. Passer rating down from 121 to 111. QBR down to 69.2 from 79.8. Adjusted net yards per attempt down to 8 from 8.89. So even though Rodgers, relative to every other quarterback in the league, was great, he still went down a little bit from last year. On the whole, he was largely Aaron Rodgers this season. I can't really complain about the experience as a whole, I feel. But there was some bad here, too. Two legitimately bad games, I think, from Rodgers. The Saints game in Week 1, obviously, and uh, the divisional round game against the 49ers for reasons that I think are pretty well established at this point. You also can take some issue, I think, pretty fairly with Aaron Rodgers for some of his actions throughout the offseason and the stuff with the with the, the COVID vaccine, vaccination stuff. Um, after all of that, without weighing in on the, the good, bad, or indifference of it, Weighing all of that and seeing where we ended up now at the end of 2021, I can't help but be reminded by a a movie that I would love to drop some audio in from here, but just language-wise, I don't think I can justify it. But look at the the end of the movie, Burn After Reading. Great Coen Brothers movie. 
Uh, but J.K. Simmons, the FBI agent, and I've cited this this before on this very podcast, just looking up at one of his his colleagues and going, what do we learn here? And they just go back and forth. I don't know. I don't know what we learned here. This bizarre situation that we've been through these past few days, twists and turns and, and stuff like that. What do we learn? I don't know. I guess we learn not to do it again. And that's kind of where I feel like the Packers are after all of this, the Rodgers stuff from last offseason, the stuff in the season, and I kind of feel like Rodgers got to be there too. Look, for a while, he didn't want to be in Green Bay. He ended up back in Green Bay. Uh, Had a good season, got some concessions that he wanted. But at the end of the day, the Packers still hold all or most of the cards, depending on how you want to read his situation with renegotiating that contract. Here we are. Bottom line for Rodgers is I think he was really good in 2021, though diminished from last season. He also did not play particularly well in the playoffs. Not terrible, but therein kind of lies the problem, right? If he had been terrible, I think he'd probably feel a little bit better about moving on. But instead, he was merely just not good enough to win. And to that point, would remind everybody that the quarterback not being good enough to win is basically the case for every team that lost in the playoffs this year. Every quarterback who is now sitting at home after playing in the playoffs had a worse passer rating in their playoff game that they lost than they did in the regular season, except for Josh Allen and Ben Roethlisberger. Every other quarterback across the board, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo even, the list goes on. Jalen Hurts, Stack Prescott. Every one of them put up a worse passer rating in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. Sure, you'd like Aaron Rodgers to be sharper. Definitely, obviously. But I think people, too many people are acting like it was some huge mystery as to why teams lose in the playoffs. Yeah, a lot of teams' quarterbacks have a rough day and then they lose. It's kind of how the game is structured right now. Looking ahead to 2022, this is where it gets tricky. Because he wasn't terrible in 2021, and it wasn't a flaming disaster in the playoffs either. It wasn't Brett Favre, six interceptions, getting dump trucked by the St. Louis Rams stuff. So it's tricky for Rodgers, because I don't think moving on is a no-brainer, but I also don't think that keeping him is necessarily a no-brainer either. I do think keeping him is probably the best way to contend in the next three years, but also not the only way. I think there's a point at which someone offers you enough, you'd be dumber not to take the trade. But I also can't pretend to know exactly where that point is. Is it three first-round picks? Is it three first-round picks and change? Is it two firsts, a couple seconds, and a player? How much can you actually get for Rodgers? We've done some work on that in the past. Three first-round picks seems like the baseline. But it's, it's an open question because players like Rodgers don't get traded all that often. My gut right now for the Rodgers situation has changed for what it's worth. Right after the, the Packers season-ending loss, my gut feeling was that he'd be gone. Now I kind of lean that he's back. But to me, the gone or back discussion is boring because it's what comes after the decision either way that's interesting. What do they do next if they keep him? What do they do next if they don't keep him? That, to me, is the interesting question. Because this is relatively uncharted water. It's something that nobody's ever really had to go through before. How do you retool around a late 30s quarterback who's just come off winning two MVPs? 
it's a fair question as to whether or not it can be done. But if the Packers commit to it, that's exactly what they're going to have to do. If he does end up coming back, we'll talk about what happens next with that when it occurs. But let's talk about what happens if he leaves, because we haven't really gone through that in detail yet. I think there are three options for the Packers post-Rodgers. There is the full teardown. There is the building around the defense option. And then there's the soft landing from Aaron Rodgers. Let's talk about number two there first, because I don't think building around the defense is a real serious option. I've seen a lot of people propose that online in different Packers-related spaces on the internet. I don't think building around the defense is a serious solution for the problems that ail the Packers in a post-Rodgers world. Because if you're saying you want to build around the defense, what you're, you're essentially saying is we're going to try to make a championship caliber defense, and those really just do not exist anymore. There's really no team in the past 20 years that's won a Super Bowl without a quarterback playing at an elite level. Other than Trent Dilfer, it gets to be a pretty slim list. You can talk about Eli Manning doing it twice, but you go back and look at the numbers, he was a pretty hot quarterback there for a month in 2007 and 2011. Same kind of goes for Joe Flacco. He was real hot there down the stretch and through the playoffs for the Ravens, and he got a giant contract as a result. On top of that, building that championship caliber defense is going to demand a lot of resources. And it demands hitting on a ton of stuff. You're going to need another elite to very good edge rusher to go along with Rashawn Gary. You're going to need another elite to very good defensive lineman to go along with Kenny Clark. You're going to need an elite to very good inside linebacker. And if you're intending to replace or retain Devondre Campbell, you're going to have to pay up here in the near future. You're going to need a stabilized secondary, at least a third safety who is good to very good, and probably a slot corner here at some point. That's a lot of moving parts. And on top of that, all of those players basically have to stay healthy for the entire season and playoffs to have a real shot at carrying you to a Super Bowl with just your defense. That's a big ask. It's really easy for that quote-unquote championship caliber defense to stay healthy, to stay together for an entire season. And if it doesn't stay together, if you lose one or two pieces, those holes start to look very big. If you're counting on your elite defensive lineman next to Kenny Clark, or I guess just Kenny Clark, what happens if he's injured for three games, five games, two games? That might expose you enough to, to lose a couple games. Same goes for your edge rusher, along with Rashawn Gary. If he goes down, does it gut your pass rush completely? We saw that a couple times this year with Preston Smith a little bit hobbled. Rashawn Gary can't do the entire thing by himself. I just think building a defense that can carry you is a harder ask than people are making it out to be. And that should be concerning to you if that is, is something that you believe could happen. So that leaves us with two serious options. A full teardown 
or the soft landing. In a full teardown situation, we say, okay, Aaron Rodgers is leaving. Devontae Adams is going with him. Let's start from scratch. Let's not even try to hang on to the core. Let's, uh, let's move anything we can get value for and rebuild from there. We're going to have a bunch of cap space in 2023 anyway, even before we move Rodgers. Let's just get a ton of cap space and a ton of draft picks for 23 and 24. So Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded in this scenario. Devontae Adams, if you can swing it, tag and trade him. Then you clear the cap for anybody who shouldn't be around for a full rebuild. Zedaria Smith, thank you for your service. Goodbye. Preston Smith, nice knowing you. Go with your brother Zedarius. Billy Turner, you're probably moving on too. And then from there, it gets really crazy. David Bakhtiari may be on the block. Jair Alexander on the block. You're probably building around a core that includes guys like Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, A.J. Dillon, and then a couple nice young offensive linemen. And you're going to try to bring in a couple high draft picks this year at a couple key spots and then bring in a bunch of draft picks and a bunch of free agents next year and then you're back to trying to contend in 23 and 24. But in the short term, you're ripping it down to the studs and uh, trying to rebuild as quickly as you can. The other option I think is more compelling. I'm calling it the soft landing from Aaron Rodgers because I think the core of the team doesn't trade all that much. One way or another, after Rodgers, I think you're going to end up building around a quarterback. could be Jordan Love. If it doesn't work out in 2022, it could be somebody else. But you probably are going to have to stick with Jordan Love for at least a year. So how do you make that landing as soft as possible? Well, if we're operating on the thesis that you really need to support your quarterback to really have a chance and have your defense be good enough to keep you in games, I think the Packers would be basically obligated to lean heavy on skill position players because that's going to be the other big turnover with Rodgers heading out of town. Devontae Adams is gone. you got to restock there. So what does that look like? You're probably starting with re-signing Bob Tunyon and then drafting another tight end. On top of that, you'll probably want to do what you can to re-sign Marquez Valdez-Scantling and then probably drafting another wide receiver or two. And then you probably want to draft another offensive lineman this spring as well to really shore up that line in front of Jordan Love. Basically, we're going heavy on skill position guys and guys that are going to make Jordan Love's life easier. Because that's what I think will elevate an offense when you have a question mark at quarterback. If you don't have an elite quarterback, if you don't have a guy who has a realistic shot at winning MVP in a given year, success on offense is largely, I think, about removing variables. Quarterback, if you don't have one of those high-end guys, is a huge variable. So how do you counteract that? You make everything else less of a question mark. You can do that with scheme. The San Francisco 49ers are a pretty good example of that. They've got motion going everywhere. They've got guys lining up in unusual spots. But really, they're just trying to make things as easy as possible for Jimmy Garoppolo. On top of that, they've got some elite skill position players at a couple different positions. They're at least investing a lot in some of those skill position players. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, pretty high picks at wide receiver, both of them. George Kittle among the highest paid tight ends in the league, and an elite weapon there. And of course, support up front with a pretty darn good offensive line. 
That, I think, is the model for the Packers. And yes, they have a very good defense, sure, but they're not trying to win with their defense. They're ultimately still an offensive team. Offense is what, the make, the world, what makes the world go around for the really entire Shanahan tree. But I think that soft landing approach, that soft landing from Aaron Rodgers approach, is what the Packers are, are basically obligated to do if they move on from Aaron Rodgers. Or, I guess, alternatively, if Aaron Rodgers moves on from them. But that's the Packers quarterback situation. I feel like I'm saying this a lot, but, man, it's not going to be boring. This is a, an inherently interesting thing. I'm going on record as saying I think the Packers should keep Aaron Rodgers, but if they decide the best thing to do is to move on, okay, so be it. It's going to be interesting to watch, and I'm excited to see what happens either way, and I hope you are too. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you in this episode. I thank you for listening in. Like Liz said up top, I, I thank you for your ongoing support through the offseason at all times. It means a lot. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast with someone you think would enjoy it. That is the number one way that we grow. Getting other people to listen is uh, is what makes this show continue to be as popular as it is. And it helps us grow. And the best way to grow is word of mouth. Doing that, getting other people to listen, is going to just get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn helps all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.